TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to Touch Em All Podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore. This is Phil Mackey to my left, Seth Augers producing to my right. We've got a fun show today. Obviously, we're going to talk about the MLB winter meetings, the lack of activity for the Twins, Nelson Cruz, Byron Buxton, and a lot more. Lack of activity. You've got a Byron Buxton take, but we're going to stash that for a second because you're only here for a couple of minutes, Phil. Yeah. Nelson Cruz. Um, You want to start with Nelson Cruz? We have to. He's not a Minnesota Twin at this time I guess I think he could well be lack of activity I'm assuming that Nelson Cruz is going to be a twin at this point with I guess I guess he could still choose the Rays but the Rays aren't going to offer more money than the twins not that the twins are looking to spend obnoxious amounts of money but if it's between Rays and twins um, I, I my gut says the twins land Nelson Cruz two reasons I like this number one the guy hits bombs so you that's like fun. Bombs. Uh, uh, Nelson Cruz, let me bring up his little baseball reference page here because I think he averages 40 home runs a year the last five years from ages 33 through 38. It's not bad. So that's pretty good. You put a right-handed bomb jacker in the middle of your lineup. But the other thing I like about Nelson Cruz, Dominican Republic guy, veteran, late bloomer in his career. I don't think he started hitting well until he was maybe 28 or 29 years old. Yeah. And I, I, I know that the Twins have been looking for the last two or three years to bring in some veteran Dominican presence into the clubhouse to put their arms around Miguel Sano. Uh, I can tell you that the Twins had a ton of interest right when Derek Falvey and Thad Levine took over in Adrian Beltre and maybe bringing him on board in some capacity just because of Thad Levine's connection with him and the type of player he was, the type of clubhouse guy he was. So the Twins really like this idea of kind of a two-birds-with-one-stone approach, get a legit player in, but also... Dominican Republic background maybe connects with Miguel Sano, and maybe that helps you get to a guy that you know in his fifth year is still hitting two hundred and can't keep weight off. Sure. So yeah. yeah, if if you're Nelson Cruz, why do you choose the Twins though? They've they've said publicly, and if we're reading into their comments, that they're kind of in wait and see mode with some of their not only young prospects but the guys who are now twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Um, then they go out take a. I think a fairly low-risk gamble on Jonathan Scope. We talked about that signing. I like it. Um, and C.J. Crone was a waiver claim from the Rays. So that's arguing against the Rays a little bit, that they just waive guys when they get too expensive and get rid of Corey Dickerson. But yeah. they did win 90 games last year. The Twins only won 78. Nelson Cruz is going to have some options. Right, but I don't think you can look at the Rays and the Twins and say, well, just because the Rays won 90 last year and the Twins won 78 – that that means the Rays are destined to be a better team. If you're looking to have the best chance to make the playoffs, don't you think there's too many roadblocks in the American League East that maybe maybe the Rays are a better team and maybe the Rays do have a better core roster and they're and they've got you know they've got better more solidified pitching in certain spots. But they also have the Red Sox and the yeah. Yankees in their division who sure. are both 100 win teams looking to add a ton of ammo in the offseason. So, if you're sizing up 
chances to do something in the postseason, and the Indians are trading off pieces, and it sounds like they're going to make a big trade with one of their pitchers. And yeah, maybe uh, the Indians are inexplicably just selling off pieces in a division that they own right now. Yeah. I don't really understand that strategy. Um, you might be looking if you're Nelson Cruz and saying, "I want to play in the postseason, but I also want to play for an organization that that you know has a a, a need for my services beyond just standing in the middle of a lineup and hitting bombs, sure. which is what the Twins are looking for." Um, I, I think the Twins might even have a better percentage chance to make the playoffs than the Rays, even if the Rays are better. Wow. Yeah. There's a take. I think, Nelson Cruz, I think Nelson Cruz like, really wants to actually mentor Miguel Sano. I think he's hmm. um, like more than – I mean, not more than wins, but I think that he sees something in Miguel Sano that you know, he can change and help make him better, and I think that's, that's one of his yeah. things that he wants. Yeah, maybe. But like, I also wonder how much of this is – like us reading from the outside looking in, like, and I'm guilty of this constantly all the time. Like, Oh, well, why would Bryce Harper want to sign in Minnesota when the Dodgers could offer him more money or the Phillies could offer him more money? Because that's what I might do. I might sign for more money or I might go to a city that my family lives in or, or whatever the case is. Like, it's really hard. I find to like put ourselves in those players shoes. And I'm not sure what Nelson Cruz wants at, at age 38. Um, I'll say this, that, if the bat is even 80% of what it's been the past couple of seasons, that'll play. That'll fit right in the middle of the Twins lineup. He'd instantly become one of the most credible hitters in their lineup. Um, and they'd need more to get to the playoffs. They'd need the Keplers to develop if he's still around. They'd need the Buxtons to come through. But uh, Nelson Cruz, I've seen some people say don't want him. He's 38. He still he still adds slug to the middle of just about any American League lineup. Yes. Uh, also, too, for those of you who are streaming this on on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, throw your questions at us in the comment sections, and we'll filter them. Seth will grab some questions throughout the show, and and we can definitely answer things for you. Yeah, too. and we've got a couple here. I'm on my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore, MLB, and Andrew chimes in with uh, a joke that was written on the whiteboard behind us here says that the whiteboard needs to be changed to chicks dig woba, and I think he's right. Oh, chicks dig woba. Woba, I here, think. I can, uh, I can add. I can. I can add something. <laughs> we do have another question here too. I saw. Um, so Seth Stowes, who who joins the chat on a very regular basis, what's up, Seth? Says, "Whoa, there are other Seths." Yes, there are there other are. Seths. Yes. Welcome to your first Touch Them All podcast, Seth. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, Seth joined as our social media brand manager here um, and uh, been following the Twins. Big NBA guy. Worked for the Timberwolves previously. Um, when's the last time you went to a Twins game, Seth? Just so I can buy time and read a question. Um, it was actually, I think it was Dozier's last game. It was okay. the last one I was at. Yeah. Very emotional. Yeah, very emotional. <laughs> Did you get a sure. bobblehead? No, he didn't give one on his way out the door. <laughs> I don't think there was a giveaway that night. Um, can I deliver my Byron Buxton take? Yeah, I, and yeah, then definitely. go prep for Mackie and Judd. Because there's some more Cruz stuff, but I know that we'll be able to break that all the way down once you uh, go do your radio business. Yeah. So his comments may have gotten lost in translation. If you're just If you're just reading them, you might have thought, oh, earlier this week, Byron Buxton at a, at a Twins charity event – he spoke to a couple different publications, and like just reading the quotes, I thought, oh, those come off kind of harsh. He seems kind of bitter that he didn't get called up as a September call-up, but I bet if you hear the tone of his voice, it can't be that bad, right? No, hearing the tone of his voice, and we played these clips on Mackie and Judd if you want to go back a couple days ago and mm-hmm. just like hear the full clips, but which I guess we could play on here if we, if we had thought ahead. My bad. Um, 
it's ten times more than I than I than I picked up in print. He's legitimately mad at the organization for not calling him up in September. Um, he feels at least some animosity toward the front office, and I think it's ridiculous. He hit one fifty six last year. He's four years into his career, a thousand plate appearances in, and can and can barely hold a spot in a lineup at age twenty five. And I and I and I say this as someone who's been a Byron Buxton defender. I still think he has a chance to be a star player and an all-star and a cornerstone figure. I, I, I think we can throw the Mike Trout comparisons out the window at this point because Mike Trout was an MVP multiple times over when he was at the same age. Um, but it boggles my mind that Buxton looks at the situation and thinks they screwed me over somehow when he's been in the major leagues for parts of four years and can barely identify a slider on, on a one-and-two count from sure. a number-four starter in Kansas City. Like, sure. It, it, I think he needs a little more self-awareness, and I think I get that there's a service time game being played here and, mm-hmm. and that the Twins probably had that in their mind first and foremost, that, well, if we, if we hold him back from 15 extra days of service time, then if he gets good at some point, we get an extra year of major league service. And I, I get that that game is played. Yeah, but did Byron Buxton earn or deserve a spot on the Twins roster in September? People have different opinions. I wouldn't have argued if he got called up, but I'm not going to die on that hill for a 156 hitter in sure. his fourth year in the major leagues. And I think he should probably just take a chill pill when it comes to talking to the media about how much the Twins, you know, screwed him over in some form. So, do you want to stick around when I tell you while you're wrong, or do you have to go? No, prep for your radio no show? I mean I'm up for debate okay. on this because I know Judd feels Judd feels like I'm wrong too. Oh, really? What Judd say? Well, Judd, I, I, Judd I thinks the organization made a grave mistake uh, initially by too. not a seeing grave. Yes. Okay. C- continue. Grave. Deathly, a deathly mistake. Grave doesn't mean by deathly. letting him just chill for a month. Get an extra year of service time if he becomes good at some point. Grave means serious, like not just your average. Oh, you let you let Randy Rosario go for nothing. That's okay. that's sort of just like a, a minor mistake. Screwing over a guy who you say is a cornerstone player is baffling to me. Screwing over is the wrong way to phrase it. Okay, screwing over would be he was carving it up in the major leagues, and you found a loophole to keep him down, which is what teams do at the beginning of the year. That's yeah. what happened with. That's what happened with Evan Longoria in Tampa sure. Bay. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you could even say the Twins have done that with Kyle. Kyle Gibson had back-to-back nine-inning complete game shutouts at one point, and they, well, let's we better <laughs> wait till July to call him up, right? So it, I get the teams play that game. Uh, if he was carving it up, and even even in AAA, it took him. He had he had terrible numbers in AAA up until maybe the last five days before September first or the decision. And, and then he got hot. And to me, I don't think there's any reason why you, you can't tell a dude, hey, we've got, we, we're, we're going to take a look at three or four other players, and we're going to let you sit on this in the offseason. That's so, where the problem is. Those three or four other players were... Johnny Field has a ton of potential. You I don't see know, me I don't pulling know up time. baseball reference right here. Johnny Field for the Twins hit 250 with a 259 on base percentage, and he got 55 plate appearances in September. Yeah. Well, well, be so that the Twins could keep Buxton out of the major league lineup. But why would you? Here, here's here's my grand question. Okay, if you're that terrible of a hitter, which he has been, Byron Buxton has been yeah. unplayably bad, except for like 
one September three years ago, and then the second half of, of 2017. But in totality, over 1,000 plate appearances, and for sure at the beginning of last year, he's yep. been unplayably bad offensively. Sure. For the Twins to say, listen, you've been unplayably bad offensively for four years, and we're going to play a little bit of a service time game here if you eventually get good. Why would anyone die on the hill of, no, he must be up in September? That's my question. I, Which is the hill that he's dying on because he's Byron Buxton. Yes. So I, I, I guess I understand that to some extent. He should. This is his – you get one career. Okay, then then hit then identify a slider. Right. And then he was playing well at the beginning of last season. Not playing well. I should say he was he's playing in the lineup and then he gets the migraines. He, exist, on the, he existed in the lineup. For two weeks before migraines – Effectively ended his season, and and I'm serious about this point, that if he goes down, gets migraines, sent in the minor leagues, fouls the ball off his toe, that's the end of his season. But no, Byron Buxton played through it, played in the major league lineup because they didn't have squat else. They just decided, okay, you're going to play, and you're going to play hurt, and then this is fine. And then he wasn't hitting. I don't know how much of it had to do with the injury. I also think Buxton has a ways to go at the plate. The contact issues scare me. But that he was willing to go through that, play through those injuries for the Twins, and then plays for a month. I'm fast-forwarding here now. Plays like all of August in Rochester. Mm-hmm. He had the wrist pain, and he's like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm going to play through this because I want to get back to the big leagues. And then you get through the Rochester season and say, yeah, nah, the big league roster is not big and enough it- for you. We've got to find 54 plate appearances for Johnny Field. And sorry, you're going to have to get shut down because you're hurt. That's what bothers me, the fact that they say – he was injured, and we need to get him healthy. Now, every time Thad Levine or Derek Falvey speaks publicly this winter, they're saying, well, it's just great to get Buxton back on track to being healthy. To being healthy, he played but, a month in Rochester. But, but you just but, – but it doesn't mean he played a month healthy. It means he played a month at 60% or something. Then why did he play that month if he's not ready to play? Well, but here's – but he, this, this would be the one argument. To answer your question, this would be the one argument on your side of the argument. Argument used twice in that sentence. Gotcha. The one argument on your side of the debate, I yes. guess, is if you don't want to go seven months or whatever the time would have been, or even in this case, you don't want to go six months without a guy facing professional pitching. A guy who really needs to face professional pitching should probably not sit around from September 1st all the way through April 1st. That would, that would be an argument on your side of the fence. And now he's doing that. Correct. So that they can say, oh, he's got to heal the wrist. But it's also not an overriding element. If if he was playing in August at 60% and also had migraine issues and also had – was it the toe issue? What was yeah, the he other broke issue? his toe with foul yeah. ball and And it was leagues. just flat out terrible for the majority of whether it was AAA or major leagues to say, listen, let's not put you out there at 60% or 70% and I'm making these numbers up because we don't know what it's sure, like. Yeah. like against better pitching in the major leagues – you need to figure your stuff out this offseason. Let's all just regroup, spring training, come a couple weeks early. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, the, the only reason I would side with you is I don't like the fact that he went September, October, November, December, January, February, uh, and even include March because you don't really face major league pitching until April, let's be honest. That's the only thing that gives me pause is that he should be facing 95-mile-an-hour major league pitching with off-speed stuff. I have no problem that Byron Buxton is mad about this because I think he should be mad about this. And I think that the Twins' probably calculated gamble is to say, we've got a few years to make him feel good about this. And then if he's a superstar, 
by then it'll be like, okay, things are better. Things have passed from the mm-hmm. September of 2018 debacle. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a debacle. I think it was a, a grave mistake on their part, <laughs> and I think they're going to pay for that. Uh, you know, if, if, if he's not a superstar, then service time doesn't matter. Yeah. And if he is a superstar, why would you try to you know, alienate the guy who you think you're building your franchise around? All right, let's go to the judge's scorecard. Yeah, really. I know. So well, I, <laughs> all right. And we, also, I, we should bring in some listeners too. I want to hear, Seth, yeah. what you have to say. But if you're on my Facebook page especially, because I think you'll agree with me more than the Twitter people – what do you think, uh, Phil or Derek? And then I know you've got to prep for your show, so don't let us hold you hostage here. All right. See, I see both sides of the story. Um, Buxton, I think he has a right to be mad completely. But twin side, like you're just playing the waiting game, right? Like yeah. you don't call him up. Now he's a free agent in 2022, right, instead of 2021. Um, and you just... have to lie about that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah if, if, it's not the risk. It's not the risk. If you admit that you're playing a service time game, you Lawsuit. immediately have the Players Association yeah. yep. you know, blowing a whistle. Well, if they could ever get their stuff together. But anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, they're just buying more time, hoping he can develop. So I, I understand their side completely. Yeah. But, like, I, here's, here's a whole thing that I don't understand is that if you are trying to develop him – why playing him at 60%, just to borrow a phrase, a, a guess from Phil, if he's playing 60% in Rochester, is that helping his development more than the 30 days on the big league roster in September? I, I personally think that your opening day center or your opening day outfield for the Twins is going to be Eddie Rosario in left, Byron Buxton in center, and Jake Cave in right field. We'll see how Max Kepler fits into all of that stuff. But if you know that Buck is your opening day center fielder at the end of March this year, what does that six months on the sidelines running wind sprints on a football field in Georgia, what does that do for him? I, I don't let, understand the let development me give you, component. I there. know this is apples to oranges because it's not the same front office. It, it was the Terry Ryan front office. Did you know that you can actually compare apples and oranges? One of my pet peeves is people think that they can't be compared because <laughs> they're two different fruits. Oh. So they're like so close that we could come up with points of comparison and differentiation. Well, I'm glad you made us think like that. So we'll, we'll circle back on that. Just some Never food for actually. thought. <laughs> wow, there it is right there. Just some fruit for thought. No, it doesn't work quite as well. <laughs> That's um, the title of the podcast. But but Brian, Brian Dozier is actually a comparable here. And it, sure. it was like 2013 or 14. I can't remember the year. It was, I think it was 2013 where he, whatever year it was, they didn't call him up yeah. in September. When he viewed himself as a big leaguer. Yes. And they said, go home. Now, if I remember right, they didn't love his – his attitude was sort of sourpuss, and they didn't love just some of the body language stuff. So it was it was more than just he's not performing well. And I don't think anyone would accuse Byron Buxton of bad body language or bad you know, not not working hard. If anything, he needs to sometimes pump the brakes a little bit, stop running into fences, right? Yeah. Uh, but they got Brian Dozier. This is the Terry Ryan regime, so different. But they infuriated Brian Dozier, and he came back the next year and was. You know, all-star caliber second baseman. One of the they turned into one of the best power-hitting middle infielders in baseball. So I don't think getting angry really helps you in on a baseball field. I mean, if you're a left tackle in the NFL and you hulk up and get mad and you can move a 300-pound body out of the way easier, awesome. Getting mad in baseball doesn't help with your on-field performance, but maybe it sharpens your focus. Maybe, maybe in this case, Byron Buxton has a light bulb go on. Hmm. Okay, maybe I need to take my off-season. 
uh, approach to pitch tracking differently. I don't know what that looks like because I'm clearly not a professional baseball player. But I think there could be an element of almost some sort of psychological element that the Twins are employing here hmm. to get the most they can out of him and to send him a wake-up call. Dude, yeah. there are guys who are drafted three years after you that are catching you. Alex Kirloff is going to take your outfield spot at some point here if you don't watch yourself. You okay. know, Royce Lewis is going to take your spot in the lineup if you don't watch yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, I just think Dozier was an eighth-round pick. Buxton was your one-two. And... Why does that? Why does draft status matter? I think it matters in terms of what you have to prove in the minor leagues and what your expectation is. I think the expectation for Brian Dozier, even of the Terry Ryan twins, was like if he can get to the big leagues, great. And that's not that's so far from the expectation for Byron Buxton. And I'm adding layers to the argument that are just clouding it because when you said wake up call, I think that is, and I, and I know this wasn't your initial argument, so I'm not just trying to pick it apart, but like. This is not a wake-up call. It's a service time game. Let's okay. just call it what it is. And if it has these secondary benefits of Buxton does something different this winter, to your point on development, Seth, if, if it does something like that, then that's awesome. But what they're doing here is buying an extra year by taking the risk that they're going to alienate this guy, and I don't think that's a risk worth taking. Didn't we have an argument three years ago on Touch em All about Jose Barrios in which I said he should be called up in the second half to help with a playoff run, and you yeah. said, no, that would be foolish. You need to preserve his service time. Yeah, different window. Totally different window. Okay. That Twins team lost 99 games. What do you need to see Barrios for? Either he's going to be a horse no, or he's no, no. not. No, no, no. That Twins team... The, the the debate was this Twins team can make the playoffs. Oh, which what? So was this two thousand? This is when they, this is when they won eighty three games. Twenty fifteen with the Tory Hunter Twins. And eighty five wins was the was the end to the wild card game. Yeah, okay, I remember that. And and so and interesting that did turn up to be a fluky pop up season for the Twins. Mm-hmm. It did. So that was my point that this Twins team is completely different. I, I view this as like their contention for the American League Central. Now, maybe they don't view it the same way because they just scooped Crone off waivers and signed Jonathan Scope to a make-good deal instead of going for the big fish. But I think that this Twins team is ready to take that step to sustain success, which is why uh, you know a Nelson Cruz would make some sense or if you're going to add some relievers to this bullpen, it makes sense. I think that there are two different timelines than when I argued against Barreo. So I will double down on that and say – Thank you for reminding everyone that I was right on Boreos oh, in 2015. Okay. Clearly. And now I reserve the right to have a different opinion on a different player three years later. <laughs> That's fine. So we're not, we're not going to come to much of a middle ground here. No. But ultimately, whether Byron Buxton is the twin center fielder in eight years from now or not yeah. has very little to do with what happened in September, in my opinion. Yep. He's either going to perform or he's not, and they're either going to pay him and he'll be happy or same boat. it's it's up to him it's not up to the twins regardless of what happened in september same boat on that one cool we agreed on one Look thing that. nice i'm out of here go prep for All a radio right. show that we'll finish good. up the show we have a question do you want a question let's do a question and then seth what i'm going to do so we'll do you and me the rest of the show we'll wrap kind of sort of soon because mackie and judd starts at three o'clock on uh, am 1500 espn and you can find that on the stream player um so we'll 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 be brief here but Let's take the question and let's dig into on my Facebook page after that to see if people are voting Team Phil, Team Derek, or Team Switzerland um, in the middle. Of, <laughs> Should we do that of, first since it's on topic? Uh, I guess, yeah. Why don't you, you queue up some of the questions while I dig in here on the Facebook page and see if we get um, winter meetings. And I'll, I, to my Facebook viewers who come in here usually and it's just a Q&A, you and I, 
I definitely will get to all of these. Even if they don't appear on the Touch Mall podcast, I'm going to jump in there um, on my Facebook page and respond to all those because I see some winter meeting stuff. I see an Adam Jones question, which I'd love to answer from Benjamin. Nelly Cruz. Um, Nelly Cruz. All right, here we go. Justin's the first to respond to the Buxton debate. Justin says, uh, regular viewer, I am fully on board with Derek. Yes. Thank you, Justin. He should have been up, talking to Byron Buxton. I uh, do like that he is mad about it. Maybe it will fuel him uh, to being that five-tool superstar he's supposed to be. That's kind of what Phil was getting to at the end there, Seth, about like maybe this is the light bulb moment for him. Um, I sort of thought that light bulb moment had already come a couple of times in his career, but they turned out to be false starts. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Tyler says he didn't deserve to be up, so he's Team Phil. Don't worry, Tyler. I'll still give you a like, even though we're fighting. Uh, hopefully this is a special fire to start him for him. Uh, this lit a special fire to start him, I should say. Um, but I think that they should have explained it to Buxton at the time. Yeah, I don't know how that was handled. I'm not sure if I agree with the way that it was communicated. It's kind of weird that uh, Paul Molitor kept going about his business, which is what he needs to do. He needs to focus on the team on the field. But for Thad Levine and Derek Falvey to not have any contact with him, I thought that part was kind of weird. Yeah, you know, there's always two sides to the story, and there's things that are left unsaid, and, you know, we're not Fair. we're not going to know all of it. Um, we just know what Buxton says. We know what Falvey and Levine say and just kind of have to fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. Well said. You're right. Um, Seth, the other Seth, the Seth that I actually met many years before I met you, Seth, um, not that it's a race. He says, uh, you can compare anything. Apples and oranges are much easier to compare than, say, apples and picture frames. And he's right, 100%. In fact, that's the pinned comment. Screenshot that. Send it to Phil. (laughs) Thank you, Seth Stowes. Uh, That's pretty good. Uh, Chris has a Jake Cave over Kepler question. Uh, I'll get to that, but that's not on the Buxton debate. The lowest attendance, Andrew. Joel says, here's another Buxton. How many guys have started as poorly as Buxton and become a star? That's a really good point. It's not a fun list. It's not a long list. And that's actually probably an off-season column here. Because while I don't love just making – like bins for players and saying, oh, well, he's he's a defensive center fielder who hits left-handed, so he should be like this guy. Yep. They're different people and different players, but still the point is valid of if you're a star, pretty much we know it by the age of 25, um, especially in today's MLB when they do try to race those guys up. And um, But like Torrey Hunter wasn't necessarily a superstar by this time. Nelson Cruz, future twin Nelson yeah. Cruz. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking up his uh, Fangraphs page right now, Seth. Um, he broke into the big leagues with the Brewers. Didn't I didn't even know that. that. I didn't know that. 2005, but you know, you remember his start with the Rangers, 2006. Yep. And let's see, that would have been 12 years ago. So he was like 26 at that time. And even that year, he only played in 41 games, did not hit worth a lick. 2007 with the Rangers was another bad year offensively for Cruz. So keep in mind, he's, what, 27 years old by now? Well, his age 28 season was 2008 with the Rangers, um, and he started to really pop. He didn't didn't play a full season. I don't remember if it was an injury. But uh, in his 133 plate appearances, he hit 330 
with a ridiculous 421 on base percentage and 609 slugging, which small sample size, but those are big, big numbers. And after that, he he pretty well took off and was a, an above average hitter every single year for the rest of his career up until 2018 with the Mariners when he again crushed it. So like that's a decade of sustained success yeah. that didn't start until he was 28 years old. You can almost put Brian Dozier in that category, can't you? How many seasons sure. did he have of subpar performance before he Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and he didn't even become like a star player really until uh you know that four-year contract with the Twins. I remember at the time, so he signed a four-year deal to basically buy out the rest of his pre-free agency. They signed it, I think it was four years and $20 million, if I remember correctly. And there were people that were mad that they were overpaying for Brian Dozier at that point. And that's, yep. it's, you know, whatever. It was fair at the time. But I remember sitting, I was living in Uptown at the time, and I remember sitting writing and saying, like, $20 million, you'd have to be, this, this would have to go really poorly for the Twins for this contract not to look okay. And if it goes well, this will look really good. And sure enough, like he had two star years in that time. Last year wasn't so good for Brian Dozier. Yeah, but yeah, Let's what talk about that? Yeah, how <laughs> old was he when he? Like, I'm trying to think. That must have been four years ago. If he's 31 now, he was 26, 27 before it came together for Doge. Yeah, um, yeah, and just quickly on Dozier, uh, somebody, some people were asking on last week's chat, or maybe it was two weeks ago, does a Brian Dozier reunion make sense? And obviously, Jonathan Scope takes care of that. That reunion is not going to happen but i also i don't blame them for not reuniting i think that that now you know you made your break in july and that's fine i think you can get another infielder with pop and they've done that in jonathan scope i, I think bad jonathan scope would be worse than average brian dozier i don't think that's a hot take mm -hmm. but i think good jonathan scope is going to be better than what brian dozier produces in 2019 back to dozier i think that he actually performed better than I thought in his first couple seasons. He, his second year, he had 18 home runs. Third year, he had 23. So, um, I mean, then fifth year, he had 42. But and, and what was his rookie year? What season? 2012. 2012? Yep. And that 2012 must have been the year that Phil was talking about where they sent him out in September and said, don't come back. 2013 could have been then that first full season yep. after Tw that. Snow. 2013 was 147 games played. Yeah, so. yeah. So you're not getting sent yeah. out in September after, <laughs> after nope. a season like that. Um, yeah, I just I don't think it's too late for Buxton, but I definitely hear your question, Joel, on how likely is it that this guy becomes a, a superstar at this point still. Uh, the jury's still definitely out. Let's see if we can get a couple more on Buxton, and then I do want to get to the questions that we're seeing on some of our other platforms. Um, attendance. Craig says, Torrey Hunter started so bad he almost quit baseball. Buxton still has a chance. Skills are there. Yeah, Torrey Hunter's a good example, Craig. Um, Tyler has a trade question if they're going to trade a hitter. We'll talk about that later. Or maybe that's another podcast. That'd be a pretty interesting podcast. Which hitters would you trade? Just yeah. one-for-one -one position players right now. I know a guy I'd consider trading would be Max Kepler. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if – or you could start the year with all four of them. That's fine. And maybe Jake Caves, your fourth outfielder, even though he was a better player than Kepler last year. Was and, Kepler in trade rumors for Chris Archer? Yep, yep. Yeah. Last spring training, I remember I was I was in Fort Myers, and Mackie and Judd would have me on. We have a little connection unit down there. So I was doing the show in the press box at Hammond Stadium. And I think it was – Every day for like seven days in a row, 
hey, Derek, how's, how's Florida? They asked for a weather report. We should get that sponsored this year, by the way. Yeah. Asked for a weather report, and then I, I'd say, yeah, sunny and beautiful. How's it going with you guys? And they're like, well, it's snowing and crappy here, but has Max Kepler been traded for Chris Archer yet? <laughs> and it was like the first question for seven days in a row. So this wouldn't be the first time that, uh, you know, that his name yeah. is sort of bandied about there. Yep. Um, see if there's any more Buxton real quick. Sonny Gray, Alex Gordon. Oh, Justin says Alex Gordon and Jose Bautista started off terrible and made good careers. Yeah. yeah. Bautista's a different player, obviously, than Buxton. Um, Gordon's an interesting comp, you know, third baseman. I think he played at Nebraska, if I'm remembering correctly. But, um, you know, I think Buxton is sort of more in that Alex Gordon bin, even though I said I hate putting guys in bins. How about uh, Edwin Encarnacion? Encarnacion. He started out really, well, yeah, fairly slow. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Josh Donaldson wasn't a superstar um, until, like, later with Oakland. Anyways, there's probably a bunch of examples we could find that are like that, but it is fairly unique for, like, a guy who was in the top five picks to be terrible, 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 flash, terrible, and then superstar. Yeah, for sure. So this would be unique. Yeah. Jim says, give Buxton a healthy year or two. He's still really young. I agree with that. Patrick says, how can they never send players to play winter ball, help them improve? So he's talking about Buxton specifically there. I don't know that I care too much about how Buxton performs in Dominican for two months or something like that. I'm more curious about how he holds up to the grind of the season, how he makes contact. Um, If it's just an at-bats question then they would have been foolish not to play him in September. But I think it probably goes more than just plate appearances and at-bats. Um, and I probably wouldn't be sending any players to Venezuela right now just with the turmoil that they've got there. Um, yeah, Jim Jim says that should have read Buxton. I got you, Jim. Uh, and then short-term deal for free agents. So, okay, the votes are in. I think that the room is still split. I think that uh, yeah. some of the people are like, yeah, they should have seen Buxton as a travesty and – there's people that agree with Phil that are make him prove it. So in other words, I win. Yeah, I guess right? Seth comes. In, yep. Wow, your touch them all debut <laughs> coming in and knocking off the uh, the incumbents for argument. Phil and I don't debate that often. You got to see kind of behind the curtain there. On uh, we're pretty much in lockstep on ninety percent of our baseball takes. Yeah. And you just got one of the rare where the claws come out. <laughs> uh, let's get to some of the Twitter questions. I know you said there's some maybe there's some free agency trade stuff in there. Yeah, I think we got. What three questions here? Um, first one: What happens to Tyler Austin? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that with CJ Crone getting claimed, that pretty much takes care of first base, and especially if they bring in a DH, it's hard to find playing time for Austin without an injury. Um, if this was going to be one of those what I like to call learning years, um, some fans call them tanking. I call them learning. I think that you would like to see. 500 plate appearances out of Tyler Austin or, you know, 300 and then figure out on July 1st what you've got. But I think that if he gets passed up for a couple more polished, more experienced hitters, um, it's hard to find playing time for him, especially if you're really committed to the, you know, Mitch Garvers, Max Kepler's, Jake Caves. It's tough for me to find a way that that fits into the lineup for 500 plate appearances. But I still think he's an intriguing power hitter. I mean, the pop is there. You just question if he has enough contact, if he hits enough to make that power play up. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not comparing him to Byung-Ho Park or comparing him to Kenny's Vargas or anything. 
but you've seen guys with sick pop that can't play in the big mm-hmm. leagues. Um, yeah, it'd be too bad for Tyler Austin if they do sign Nelson Cruz, but it's impossible to find playing time for him if you get that DH. Yeah, I mean, I really like Tyler Austin. I think he has like a you know Josh Willingham esque sure. you know type talent. But um, yeah, there's it's a good problem to have when there's when there's not really a spot for you, and we they're all um, taken and with yeah. solid players. So um, yeah, even if it's short term. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens well, with him. Keep in mind too, and I'll let you get to the other questions that. Tyler Austin was on the Yankees 40 man and they had to get rid of him basically to make space. Like you got Tyler Austin and Jake cave. I think it was Tyler Austin in the Lance Lynn trade and cave came over in spring training. I want to say, yep. uh, just because the Yankees were like, well, we're pretty set in the outfield, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're probably not going to play at all this year. So the twins went fishing off the back of their 40 man. And, uh, I think they found a good player in Jake cave. I guess I'm just not as sold on Tyler Austin being an everyday big leaguer. Yeah. I'd agree with that for sure. Um, another question? Yeah, let's do it. I know we've got some more on the Facebook. I promise I'll get to the Facebook guys. Um, but it's probably not going to be on this video cause Mackie and Judd's already fired up. I will go in after the fact, maybe today, maybe tomorrow before our uh, company holiday party, I am going to respond to every single one that came in on the Facebook page to, uh, yeah, no reason you drop a comment and I don't get back to you. Uh, Mr. Wetmore, I'm back on the sunny gray train. What would it got? take to get him? Who's this? Um, Bob O15. Bob O. Bob O is back on the sunny gray train. I like it. Uh, what would it take to get him? I still think you're going to have to give up a prospect that matters. And I'm kind of out, Bob O. Sorry, I'm not on the train with you anymore. I'm out of the sunny gray sweepstakes because I think you have what he represents at this point. I'll ask you quick, Seth. Are you in or out on trading? Uh, top 10 prospect for Sonny Gray. No, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that what he showed in New York last year, it's weird because he was great on the road and he was unplayable in New York. So the Yankees are trying to float through the media this novel, this uh, narrative of, well, maybe he's just not a big game player. Maybe he can't play in the bright lights in New York. Miss me with that. If it's a ballpark <laughs> thing, I get it. But Chicago doesn't have bright lights. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Oakland maybe doesn't have bright lights. Maybe they haven't updated those things since 1997. <laughs> but, you know, L.A. has bright lights. Target Field has bright lights. And I'm not just being literal with this. Like, these are big markets. It's, it's Major League Baseball. Uh, I think gone are the days where you walk into Yankee Stadium and you see the ghosts and you think, like, oh, my gosh. I'm a major leaguer, but this is something else. Yeah. Some guys might feel like that, but – I think that is an overrated narrative that that is just like so overplayed and how convenient for the Yankees now that their starting rotations full of let's see who do they got Sevy they added Paxson um no Lance Lynn anymore oh, no Lance <laughs> Lynn well that poor one out um who else oh Tanaka is still in that rotation yep. um they were going to weren't they going to add uh, did they add Jay Happ yesterday um, I think they. Did, I saw it. Yeah. I saw it come across. There was the a crawl, rumor, at least. I, yeah, yeah I, I've been so in and out this week that it's hard to keep track. But like, so uh, my point is that all of a sudden he becomes expendable. Sonny Gray does. Sorry, Bobo. But if Sonny Gray is expendable and the Yankees need to increase their leverage, wouldn't it be convenient if this was just <laughs> one of those players that couldn't perform on the big stage? Yeah. Just like they used to say about Zach Granke, by the way, before he went and was great in Dodger blue. Like I. 
I just get kind of sick of that narrative when it's convenient for big market teams. Um, every stadium today has bright lights. Yes, even in Miami, they have they have bright lights there too, and in Oakland and in Tampa, St. Pete. So I I think that I'm concerned enough about what Sonny Gray showed last year that I wouldn't give up a real prospect for him because I think you have what he represents. I think Jake Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson, Michael Pineda, I think that fills up the middle to back of your rotation just fine. If you're going to improve the starting staff, aim for the top. I, I don't want I don't want fourth and fifth starters. I, I think that the Twins have plenty where that came from. Yeah, I don't want to say this in, Sorry, if, he, if he comes here, but... Um... I mean, I think he's kind of peaked a little bit. Like he had a few, yeah. you know, good seasons, and um, you know, like you said, he kind of struggled a little bit. And like, I don't know. I think he's on his way down, and I think right now is when the Yankees are trying to get the most they can sure. for him. And I think that the value is just not there. If he's great, and the Yankees are out of it, and you want to trade for him in July because you're making a push for the Central, that's a different conversation. Yep. So I'm not like I'm not shut case on Sonny Gray. I'm just don't give up a real prospect for one year of Sonny Gray before he hits free agency. Yeah, for Sorry sure. if I burst your Sonny Gray bubble, Bobo, but you've been on that train so long. Uh, you were one of the only ones on that train with me back when uh, it, it made all the sense in the world from Oakland. But uh, yeah, 2018 was not that kind to Sonny Gray. We got other questions on, uh, on Twitter. One more. Uh, how long before Kirilov is ready? How long before Kirilov is ready? We got that one two weeks ago. I think Seth Stowe's... Um, who covers the minor leagues just as well as anybody. If you're not following him on Twitter, I don't know why. Um, said that it wouldn't be crazy to have Kirilov. I, I see another Kirilov question on my Facebook page from Sean, so I'll, I'll lump these two together, Seth. He says, when do you think Gordon, Kirilov, and Lewis are coming up, and does this change what they do in the free agency market this year? I do think it changes what they do this year, Sean. Um, Kirilov to me, starts the year in double A and then you see. Like I'm not ruling out a late season call up necessarily, but he's so young. Yeah. And if you're not gonna contend this year, we've already seen that they're gonna play service time games and that why would you waste a September or why would you waste an August and September on a corner outfield bat that I, I said this a couple weeks ago, Seth, and I, I still think this. Um Royce Lewis Alex Kirilov, you start the season at a level, and instead of saying, hey, make it to the big leagues on September 1st, that's your goal, you say, hey, make the cover of Baseball America yeah. this summer. Like That's awesome. We would love to have a piping hot prospect ready to go, even if it means we're not going to plug him into the lineup on day one that he's ready. Um, I guess so Kirilov separately, maybe September, but I, I don't know that they're going to rush a prospect like that. Yeah, I don't think he's coming up this year. I think we have, I mean, a solid outfield right now. Yeah. We're not you really, going to rush him. If, if Here's where you'd see Kirilov, and cover your ears, Twins fans. If, if Kirilov's in the big leagues on August 1st, it's because Buxton didn't work out, Rosario's hurt, yep. and Kepler's traded. Or something like yeah. that, right? Or the other way around, Rosario's traded and Kepler's hurt. Like you don't want to see Kirilov taking corner outfield plate appearances on August first, twenty nineteen. Yep. It would probably mean other things went wrong in other places. Not maybe he's sprinkled in as a DH, whatever. I don't know how that all looks. But Nick Gordon is different. Nick Gordon I think you'll see in twenty nineteen. 
And Royce Lewis, I don't think you'll see in 2019. I think you start the year uh, high A and let him bump up to double A and go make the cover of Baseball America. I don't think that it's uh, – I don't think that this is the year, Sean, 2019, that you're talking about seeing that wave of prospects get up. But 2020, that could be. You could really be talking about your your top guns getting up at that point. Yep. Yeah, if I was a betting man, I would say we see Gordon this year. Sure. Um, but other than that, I think that's probably the only one. Yeah. And even he's probably not going to get a starting role, I, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. I mean, given the fact that you've got Scope playing second base. Um, who? Whatever. I guess you could trade Scope. But I'm of the mind that you just let Scope go have a great year, offer him. If he's, if he's great, if he's 2017 Scope, you offer him uh, the qualifying offer. And if he takes it for another year, awesome. If not, get yourself some draft picks and say thanks for the memories. Yeah. Um, then that, that if you're moving that in season – you'd see Nick Gordon. Otherwise, it'd probably be like a, a bench kind of role. I, I don't think he's going to take at-bats from Jorge Polanco or Jonathan Scope this year. For sure. Yeah. I've been wrong before. <laughs> uh, been wrong one before. more, actually. Let's hear it, and then uh, we, we'll wrap up. Could we, and what would it take to get Syndergaard? Yeah, I don't think the Mets are going to trade him. I, I know there have been rumors, obviously, this winter that uh, Brody's group is going to come in guns a-blazing, and they really have, to a large extent, they get Familia, they obviously land the Cano and Diaz deal. I think those deals, to me, Seth, signify that they are going for it, that that group must have taken over and pitched to ownership, said, we can win it all this year. Okay, go for it then. I don't think that's the time that you'd trade a, a Noah Syndergaard. Um, could the Twins? Yeah. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head the contract status just having a brain freeze on uh, live camera. But um, it's a couple of years anyways for obviously a good young pitcher. Like I, obviously you'd add Syndergaard to your rotation if you could. You're probably – I said this a couple of weeks ago and I still believe it. You're probably talking about parting with at least two prospects that you don't want to part ways with. And uh, I'm not saying I'm out by any means. I'd have to know the people, the players involved. But I think that both teams' timelines – make it pretty unlikely. I, the Twins haven't pushed all in yet, and the Mets have. Well, one of those teams is going to keep an established ace. The other, I, I don't think, is going to trade for one this winter. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I'm surprised at how active the Mets are it's and the crazy. Phillies, the Mariners. Like, yeah. Some of these teams are just they're constantly in the news. And even while we've been doing this live uh, podcast, oh, yeah? the Mets signed Familia. So oh, are, sure. I mean, yeah. that was that was expected. People but knew it that It was one. official. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... They're, they're going all in. I know. And, well, slow winter meetings, but I think the Twins are going to have more to say about the rest of the winter. I think you're going to see at least one reliever added. I think you will see a DH. If it's Nelson Cruz, then sign me up. That'd be a good signing for 2019. Um, but I, I don't think – so the sense was, right, that they went to the winter meetings and got nothing done. Yep. I don't really get the sense – I talked to Dan Hayes from The Athletic uh, yesterday on the podcast. I, I don't think that they're done by any means, and I don't think that it's like a dire situation that they didn't get somebody signed on December 13th or whatever. I, I don't think that makes it a failed off season, Seth. Yeah, and I mean, they didn't get much done at the winter meetings, but I mean, they got their whole right side of the infield done before the winter meetings. Like, That's right. Scope and Crone, like those are those are two decent signings. You Big know, leaders. They, yeah, they are established. They've had good years. Um, they may have struggled in past years, but they've sure. had, you know, Scope was an all-star two seasons ago. So, yeah. um, I mean, they've made moves, and they've made good moves. So. Yeah, and they haven't broken the bank to do it, which I kind of wanted to see them do, just 
It's yeah. fun to spend other people's money. Machado's coming. <laughs> I told you I want Bryce. <laughs> uh, let me read you a quote. This I'm pulling from MLB.com. I saw other reporters have the same quote too. Thad Levine at the winter meetings, and then we'll wrap up with this. Um, Thad Levine, quote, There were things that were proposed to us that could help our team, and we're continuing to monitor those. But our goal was to fill as many holes as we possibly can and not necessarily jump to just one. So that's, I think, how we're approaching this. We were active here. He's talking about Las Vegas. We were actively trying to have dialogue around helping the major league team, and that's our focus right now. I know that doesn't bring anything to fruition just yet, but our goal is to be ready uh, for when spring training, when we get to spring training, not necessarily on December 15th, end quote. I like, and I hate that quote all at once, Seth. I like that he's being realistic about the timeline and saying, like, there's no, we're not going to put an artificial deadline on this just because we're out in Las Vegas having drinks and playing craps with our buddies in baseball. But (laughs) I think this is uh, one where, we can maybe read a little too much into a quote when he says that we are actively trying to have dialogue. Yoda would say, do or do not, there is no try. So Thad Levine and the Twins, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the approach. But do or do not, there is no try to have open dialogue. I think what he means is that he's just trying to get help from his blackjack dealer. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's all. <laughs> That's... What do you, you know how you can ask the dealer like – you know, soft 16 against a 10, what should I do here? Yep. And they'll give you the advice. Do you think you can ask a person behind the table with the little, uh, you know, the Bellagio vest on, say like, hey, listen, uh, this podcast guy wants us to sign <laughs> Bryce Harper. What do you think we should do here? What's the book say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I'd get I'd get all the input I could. Get as many <laughs> forms of advice as yep. possible and uh, come up with a solution from there. Um, that's it. Are we going to shut down the stream? I'll, I'll turn the yeah. podcast off first that we can do, uh, shut down the stream later. Uh, thank you to all of our touch them all podcast listeners. The numbers continue to grow despite it being, uh, off season, which is kind of fun and they haven't had huge moves. So it's super fun to see those numbers grow. And, uh, thank you to all our listeners for that. Thank you too to everyone who came to my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore slash no, wait, what is it? Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. Thanks to all you for watching on there. I promise I'll get to all your comments. And thanks to those on the 1500 ESPN Twitter and YouTube pages as well. That's it for this Touch Em All podcast. For Phil Mackey, who's absent because he lost an argument so badly he had to hide, <laughs> uh, I'm Derek Wetmore. Seth, thank you for producing your first episode of Touch Em All and looking forward to having you back. Yeah, it's been really fun, so hope to be back. Cheers.